I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game. The feel of the grass. Smacking that ball all over the field. Making plays. Diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men. Watching their knees buckle on a called third strike. Set out, bud. And then, of course, the home runs. The base hits. The big, big home runs at the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story. A CMG podcast. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risher along with Justin Anafrio. And for the first time in two years, it was great to have Marsh Madness back. I mean, it was it was a really, really fun first weekend. We had a ton of upsets. We had uh, obviously Oral Roberts with those huge upsets over Ohio State and Florida. We had uh we had Loyola with 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 uh with uh getting getting to the sweet sixteen up uh, knocking Illinois out. We uh we had some upsets. We had Abilene Abilene Christian beating Texas. Uh, we, we obviously we had uh, Oregon getting to the Sweet 16, upsetting Iowa. So we had a ton, a ton of upsets in in in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the first week of the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we had Syracuse too as the number 11 seed getting to the Sweet 16. We got about I think four double digit seeds getting to the Sweet 16. So this was a this has been a crazy tournament, the tournament of upsets, and it just it, for me it's been it's 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 been really exciting. I mean it's it's great to have this back because we definitely missed this last year, and now we have it back. So. I really enjoyed this weekend, and I hope this weekend this weekend is as is as good as it was the, the opening weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, just, it was yeah, such a crazy weekend. All the upsets, um, and it's you know we kind of you know missing it last year. Kind of you know I, I feel like more um, you know um, kind of you know it, it's like. It was just yeah, it was a really special weekend with Or Roberts and in Syracuse as well. Oregon State, you know, the Pac-12, the way they played, um, you know, and trying. Yeah, I was trying to say, I'm you know, not taking this for this tournament for you know, for granted anymore. And you know how great it how great it is and how much you know I, I missed it a lot last year. Um, you know, it, it was tough, but you know, understanding with circumstances, everything was going on last year. But yeah, it was an exciting tournament. There was so much going on. Um, you know, like Thursday, Friday, you know, there's just so many close games. It felt like the only blow on the first round was like the one sixteen matchups. Everything else seemed like it was going down in the last two minutes, which was also great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just and it also it really started with that with Oral Roberts. They they they've been the story of this tournament. Max A. Smith, they've been the story of this tournament. Obviously, that Ohio State game was that first upset that the upset everyone wants. That was the upset everybody wanted from the tournament. Was was Oral Roberts beating Ohio State? That was like the upset everyone wanted. And uh, and yeah, Liddell missed that free throw, and then and then and then Oral Roberts ties the game, and then uh, Oral Roberts ends up winning in overtime. So, so and then they go on to beat Florida. So they've really been a big story in this tournament. Uh, obviously, you know Loyola sister Jean, that's back. That story's back. The sister, that's back with Loyola being in the uh, Sweet Sixteen, uh, and and then uh, obviously uh, with some of the upsets on uh, on on Saturday too, and then. Obviously, Syracuse has run to the Sweet 16, so it's been a really, really fun. It's been a really, really fun tournament. But, but here's a question I wanted to ask, and uh, we had a lot of upsets uh, this weekend. 
but are we are are are, are, are were there too many upsets? And in my opinion, I think there were too many upsets because let's here's here's my example. All, right, all right, I know you disagree here, but here's my example why. Like Abilene Christian meeting Texas, you know, you know, ninety nine times out of hundred, Texas was going to win that game, and then the game after was absolutely terrible between UCLA and Abilene Abilene Christian. That was a horrible game. So you would rather watch that than watch uh you know than watch like than watch Texas play UCLA. You'd rather watch uh Abilene Christian get lose by twenty to use to UCLA than see them play Texas. Another example: Ohio and Virginia. Ohio beat upsets Virginia, and then the next round, Creighton Ohio is another bad game. So so that's another game. Would you would you rather see Virginia play Creighton? And then, and then a, a third example: North Texas beating beating uh, Purdue. And I did pick that upset because I thought that Purdue was too was, was really young and would struggle in the NCAA tournament. One of the few things I was right about in the NCAA tournament. But uh, yeah, th- but then you see North Texas play Villanova in another game that was not entertaining. So you'd rather see those three entertaining. So, you, so you'd rather have uh, you. So you'd rather see Abilene Christian play UCLA uh, than than uh, than. Texas play UCLA. You'd rather see uh, Ohio play Creighton than Virginia play Creighton. Then uh, Virginia play Creighton, and you'd rather see uh, 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 North Texas play Villanova than Purdue play Villanova. And people claim they love upsets. I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the first one. The first one was fine, and I didn't mind the second one too with North Texas. But after that, I was done with upsets. And uh, I, I like all these people that say they love upsets, but come on now. Uh, if, if they'll love upsets and they'll complain when they're watching Abilene Christian lose by 20 to UCLA. No, I, I, I'll be, I wasn't complaining watching that. I know you uh, were complaining. I thought it was going to be closer. I thought it was going to be closer. I thought Abilene yeah, Christian. Because you liked yeah. Abilene Christian going in. Yeah, I did. I, again, I don't know why I didn't pick up one of my brackets. It's still, you know, I'm still very disappointed in myself to this day, right? You know, still on Wednesday about that. Um, but it's, you know, these upsets, that's just what makes Martin is great. And I know, like, the North Texas-Purdue one. Purdue, yeah, with, you know, you're right. With the young, all the young talent they had, they didn't look ready to play. Um, you know, Texas just – all the turnovers they had. Alvin Christian does a great job of turning you over. You know, and then Ohio. Ohio, I felt like they just did not – they could just not buy a bucket. And I thought if they could hit a couple – you know, Jason Preston's been great all year. And he just could not buy a bucket. If he could hit a couple shots, Ohio would have made that game much closer. But this is the fun. Like, I wouldn't care if it's two 14 seeds in the national championship game. I'd love to see that. I, you know, that, that would be great. Like, I, I don't really care, you know. That's this what makes Martin's, March Madness great is all the upsets, all the craziness. Because what other sport or what other tournament do we ever see craziness like this? Never happens in college football. I know. Oh, oh, God, yeah, God, yeah, college was only four teams. That's why. Yeah, and, and it's a, and it's and if you bring up group of five of the committee, they like they you know they back away and you know yeah. I'm like NBA never happens you know one eight beats a you know an eight, or an eight seed beats a one and it show once in a while it does you know MLB I'm like a wild card I'm like you know like this year the Padres could win 103 games Dodgers can win 105 they could meet and it's like that's not really an upset you know like. This is the only sport that you just never know what's going to happen. That's the great thing about this tournament. It is the great thing about the tournament. It is it is the part that, that that's a lot of uh, that's fun about the tournament, especially in the opening weekends. But the problem with having a ton of upsets is brackets get ruined and ratings go down later on in the tournament because more people don't have those teams in their brackets. What you kind of need is to have maybe one upset, maybe two max big upsets where like a 
a, a, a 14 beats a three or a two or 15 beats a two, maybe have two of those upsets max, and then have, you know, some of those, you know, lower seeded teams give the higher seeded teams good games, but have the higher seeded teams win. And then when you get later on to the tournament, you'll have more people watching because more people's brackets, more people's brackets won't be busted the first weekend. That, that See, that that's the biggest issue with upsets for me is a lot of brackets get busted first weekend because of all the upsets. They do. And I think, you know, I, you know, for me, I kind of like, you know, I look my bracket bots too, but I kind of like, I rather see like a Lyola and Oregon State kind of than like, you know, I know Illinois Oklahoma State would be great, but I rather kind of see a matchup like this instead of talk. I, you know, like that's just me. I mean, you didn't want to see Oklahoma play, Oklahoma play, no, I, uh, Illinois, State play Illinois. That no, was like, I did. The, that was probably going to be the best matchup of the tournament if that happened. No, that could have, that definitely could have been. But I'm just somebody I'd rather see just two teams that nobody thought of was gonna get to this point and match up. You know, yeah, maybe ratings go down a bit, but I, I think you still get enough, you know, like Oral Roberts. People love Oral Roberts now. They're you know, their ratings are gonna be great Saturday night at Arkansas, I bet. You know, like I, I think people do love it. Yeah, you know, people's brackets get busted, but you know, I, I think like the great thing about this is just it's just the craziness. Yeah, you lose some of those brand teams. But I guess going in, it's like we didn't have most of the Blue Buds this year. And I heard ratings were up. Uh, or they were down 3% for 2019. But, again, that was Zion and all that. But it was up 4 or 5% from 2018. So the ratings were yeah, up. But a, big, but a big reason for that is the first time the tournaments – the tournament didn't happen last year. So more people are watching because the tournament didn't happen last year. Yeah, it didn't. And, I, you know, and I think that's good for the tournament going forward. I think, you know – um, even with kind of an Oral Roberts in there with the Oregon State Lyola matchup, I think you know you're still gonna get good rating. I, I you know I like it. I just like the unpredictability. I rather see that than just a bunch of one seeds all in the lead eight. Like look, one time all four one seeds have been in, in the final four was was 07. You know it's just it's just the unpredictability. Is, I I love it, and, it may, and that's why it makes the bracket so hard to predict. You know, everybody's bracket's pretty much. All right, all right, Jace, Jace, Jace. Steve talked about how much you wanted Illinois Oklahoma State last week. Jinx it. I did not jinx it from happening. I did not jinx it from happening. No, I didn't. So so stop with the whole I jinx it from happening. You know, it's just how the NCAA tournament is sometimes. You know, Oklahoma State will have a really bad game. Illinois will have a really uh, – Tosumu can't make a hit a shot for for, for uh, Illinois. And, and, and Loyola and Oregon, State pl- and Oregon State played well. So I didn't jinx it from happening. Stop with that. But, yeah, I really wanted that matchup. So there's, like, two matchups I really wanted to see in this tournament. I wanted to see Illinois-Oklahoma State, and I wanted to see uh, Iowa play uh, uh, Gonzaga. I wanted to see Garza go up against the best team. But we're not going to see that. So that's why, yes, I don't mind having one or two upsets during the tournament. But I'm not a fan of all the all these upsets or these seven seeds beating two seeds. And, oh, yeah, the, the Oregon-USC matchup is interesting because it's it's it's, it's uh, they're both in the same conference. But – yeah, but all these like eights beating one, sevens beating twos. I mean, again, one or two ups is it's fine for me. I don't want to. I don't want to have a bunch. And I, I and I see your point. And it's like, yeah, we want to see the best, the big brands here. I get it, but um, to me, it just makes it, and especially for these smaller schools like Oral Roberts and for their conference, they get a boatload of money for being the Sweet Sixteen now. Again, like the SEC doesn't need that money. The Big Ten doesn't need that money. Again, it's nice to see these smaller schools be able to earn that money, even for Lyle in the Missouri Valley. They get a nice chunk of money now. You know, because we all bring up money and how important it is right now in 
you know, college athletics, it's, it's, you know, it, it's great for these smaller teams to get, to get exposure. You know, it, like the, my favorite one was like Florida Gulf coast. You know, that, that was great to see them get to the sweet 16. When I went to Fort Myers a few years ago, I, tr- I tried to find a Florida Gulf coast shirt anywhere. I was surprisingly could not find one. But you couldn't find one in the sweet 16 no. a couple of years afterwards. Wow. No, I was shocked. You know, you were, you, I, wanted, yeah. you, were, you were probably worn it all the time. You love the mid majors. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You know, I, I love it. You know, I love seeing all these all these these small schools going at. They're one of my favorites. Yeah, you like from, watch. You even watch them during the regular season. Like I had, yeah. I hadn't watched like any of these like Oral Roberts. I didn't watch a game until they played Ohio State. You probably watched Oral Roberts before they played Ohio State. Yeah, I did. I, I saw they were a four seed. There, they shot the lights out. I, I again, I you know. I just, they couldn't rebound. That's why I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to stay away from them. I feared Liddell would dominate them, but, you know, again, it happened. They they knocked them off. But, uh, yeah, I, I did see them. And, again, like, again, and then I want to actually, like, Eastern Washington, like a team like Eastern Washington, like, on, on Saturday, you know, like, that's the other fun part, I feel like, in this tournament, too, is that team looked like, you know, you could watch it, you can look at the team and say, Man, we could get a group of five together at YMCA and probably beat these guys. Like they don't, look, you know, they didn't look like, you know, Tanner Groves looked like he was like a lumberjack. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great thing of seeing these teams, and that's like the fun of the Big Sky. Actually, like there's just a lot of teams they play that way. Like the Big Sky is one of my favorite mid-major conferences. Yeah, you probably do you watch the Big Sky a lot. Yeah, yeah. I wish I saw because the Groves won Player of the Year, Tanner, but like. He didn't dominate a game. Okay, he averaged 16, and you know I thought he was a pretty good player, but I didn't think he was up for it. I wish he did. I would have hyped. I would have hyped him up last week, but I, I was disappointed when they lost. I was, I was very, very disappointed when they yeah, lost. I I, 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 I was one who wanted to see Kansas USC, but the problem yeah. is Kansas USC was absolutely terrible. Yeah, it was. Eastern Washington probably would have put up a better game than them, and Kansas would have. You got a, a little bit of a point there. A little bit of a point there. But to wrap it up, yeah, I we I know we have different views on it. I like to see an upset or two, but I want to see the best teams play late in the tournament. You like to see, you know, you would you wouldn't mind seeing Loyola, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't mind seeing Loyola go to the Final Four. You wouldn't mind seeing, uh, you wouldn't mind seeing like Loyola play like Oregon State late in the tournament. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be that'd be great. Oh, yeah, I forgot they, oh, I forgot they actually play yeah, each other. Playing, yeah, yeah. They play each other. I yeah. figured you just use. I figured you should do an example, like if yeah, I would say like like Loyola, yeah. like 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 Loyola and Syracuse in the Elite Eight. Yeah, like, yeah, I'd be yeah. fun. I, I'd be a huge uh, Loyola fan, but yeah, yeah I yeah, would yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. So talking about you know you know we talk about upsets and we talk about you know power conferences. We'll talk about two power conferences that were supposed to be the two best conferences in college basketball, but the big question is. Were the Big Ten and the Big 12 overrated this year, seeing what happened, you know, with them in the tournament, seeing the fact in the Big Ten they only have one team left, that's Michigan, and seeing that the uh, the uh, Big 12 only has one team left in Baylor. Uh, I don't think the conferences were overrated, in my opinion. I just think the NCAA tournament, it's so random what happens. It's just when one game, it's so hard to say. I don't think that makes either conference overrated. I just think they've just – it just it, they just had bad luck in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they didn't – I don't say bad luck, but they just they – just, they just, they just, didn't play well on one day. And I think that just happens. I just don't think either conference is overrated. Yeah. And I know I text you that I thought the big town's overrated. I thought more about it, you know, the last few days. And I think it was more too. Yeah. Just, you know, some of the teams just, you know, did not have a great game in the first round or second round. I also think too, 
that with how deep both conferences were, I just think a lot of the teams just beat each other up. And I think most of the team just wore down by the end by Mundial here again. It was just such a weird, unprecedented year that, I, you know, I, I just think both conferences wore each other down. Maybe they're a little bit overhyped because I thought we'd see a little bit more out of them. Like the Big Ten, like I thought this was the year where they were finally going to break their streak and finally get their first championship. They still could. They down. still could with Michigan. They still could. They, you know, probably should have lost. Chauncey Brown and Eli Brooks saved them. But, um, yeah. you know, I, so I think maybe there's a little bit more – little bit overhyped maybe but again i don't i wouldn't consider both kinds over i think they just beat each other up and just this weird year they just wore down yeah 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 i, I do i do agree a lot of beating each other up but yeah i I'm, I'm not gonna sit there a lot of people are saying they're overrated i don't think either conference is overrated i, I think they both were great, really good conferences this year uh, but there's another but there's another conference that has been surprisingly good in the NCAA tournament. You look at uh, out of the five teams they've had, four in the Elite Eight: uh, UCLA, uh, Oregon, USC. They play they play each other. And I'm th- trying to think about the the uh, last. You see, we got UCLA. We Oregon got State, Oregon State. Oregon State. Oregon State. Yeah, we got, yeah, the team that's that won the Pac-12. So yeah, I think the the Pac-12 was played really well, and I think actually the Pac-12 was a little bit underrated because you look at the way Oregon State's played in this tournament. They beat they beat uh, Tennessee and Oklahoma State by double digits. They uh they UCLA. Yes, I think UCLA got very lucky with their second round opponent with Abilene Christian. I think Texas would have been a much tougher opponent if they had to play them in the second round. So I think UCLA got a little bit lucky there. Uh, but then you look at Oregon. Oregon goes in, and they 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 got a little bit of a break. They got a little bit of a break too, uh, because of VCU. Um, VCU. So they got a little bit of a break too. But still, they they played really well against uh, against uh, Iowa. And then you got USC, and USC USC was really impressive. So I think the Pac-12 was a little bit better than people thought. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you. You know, maybe crazy old Bill Wall was on to something this year. I. I you know, I, I never agree with them. Now, actually, I, I did hear, too, Larry Scott was talking to somebody. Um, I, I You know, I'm not sure how – it sounds like they're trying to get in touch with Bill Walton. So, uh, we may have – again, I don't know if it's possible Bill Walton could call a game on CBS this week. Uh, uh, he's probably going to call that last one, too. Probably. It'll be the last one, uh, that Oregon-USC uh, game. He'll probably call that one. Probably. If it's any, I, I could see that happening. I – I don't know about it, but again, we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, the Pac-12 was pretty underrated. You know, Oregon's a top 15 team. I've said it the last few weeks. It, you know, Will Richardson was hurt. You know, they had some COVID issues. You know, um, you know, they had, you know, Nevada Dante out for the remainder of the year. You know, they're big guys. So, you know, they're underrated. USC, yeah, they're, they've been playing really well. Oregon State, you know, Wayne Tinkle's a really, really good coach. I got to give Mick Cronin a lot of credit. You know, Johnny – Jane Zoo's been playing really well. Yeah, he played um, well the other night. Yeah. Mick, yeah. Corona, Mick Corona was hated by a lot of UConn fans, but he's a, he is a good coach. Yeah, he is. You know, he finally got that uh, monkey off his back and got out of the first. The thing, the thing about him, though, is I think he's a pretty, he seems like a pretty good guy, though. I know UConn fans couldn't stand him for some reason, but he seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah, he 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 does. Um, he, just, he just he just be he just, we just act crazy though during those UConn yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. I think they call him they call him like the leprechaun. The angry leprechaun. Yeah, the angry leprechaun. Yep. Yeah. You know. uh, but yeah, you know, I think it's just because he's just a really tough guy. You know, he'd be crazy. You know, his his teams are great defensively, and he plays a lot of zone that just because they're banged up up front. That's why I do think Texas would have beat them because of how banged up they are up front. 
Um, but yeah, the Pac-12 is a really underrated kind. Again, Arizona State, you know, I was really looking forward to being a year, but they, you know, they had their injuries. I thought it was a team too that could make a run this year, but again, it didn't happen. Yeah, you know, Morgan State right now is playing really well. This is definitely very underrated. Even Colorado, you know, it was unfortunate Monday um, for them, but yeah, it, you know, again, it's they got to find a way to get better TV windows. They they have to. I know they did a little bit better this year because there was a couple Saturdays where they had games at like two. But they yeah. still gotta try to get rid of those eleven o'clock games yeah. as best as possible. Yeah, because the thing is, is you you never see the Pac-12 game. I, I, I that was definitely the conference I watched the least of this year was the Pac-12. Yeah, usually it, you know I'll admit usually it is for me too. You know, usually Thursday night I will try to um, stay up as much as possible. But again, it's like I could stay up to halftime. You know, I can't stay up the one. You know, I try if it's maybe an Oregon or you know versus UCLA or something, but it's tough. You know. It's tough to be able to do that. So, yeah, you know, in the Pac-12 network, you know, with them firing Larry Scott or not retaining his, his contract, you know, either or, whatever it is. Again, this, this, this Oh, oh here we go. Here we go with Jace. You guys got a bedtime off. Jace, okay? I can't stay up till, you know, 2 o'clock in, in the morning and, and watch Pac-12 basketball, okay? I'm sorry. You guys got a bedtime. I mean, come on now. Come on. I'm 30 years old. I can't be staying up till freaking, you know – one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning to watch college basketball. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I, I don't have, I don't have a bedtime. I'm just a nor I'm just a human being that needs, needs, needs rest. Okay. I'm sorry that I can't stay up till. Okay. Okay. Bummer. <laughs> I can't stay up all night and watch college basketball. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I really can't do that. Yeah, I admit. Usually it's like I can, and then it's like I fall asleep to like during halftime. It's just yeah. I can't. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's usually my problem. I wake up and it's 2 a.m. and the game's over. So I try as best as possible, but it doesn't always happen. But whoever they, they hired the new Pac-12 commissioner, they have to get Pac-12 network on more net, you know, on just more, you know, TV networks. They, you know, they they have to they have to get more exposure. Yes. And again, if yes. they can do yes. that, again, that it'll be great for the Pac-12. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, there just there just weren't enough Pac-12 games that were on at a time on the East Coast that I could watch them. Yeah, hey, that's the problem. That Thursday night game at 10 or 11 o'clock, it's just, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, you know I, I get it. You know, it's a lot of East Coast people don't really stay up and, and see them play. That's why I also say Chris, Chris Duarte. The guy played at Duke, he'd be an All-American. But oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody sees his games. That's yeah. the thing. No one sees his games at all. Yeah, and that's the problem, you know, and – Hopefully they can get more exposure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, so the Pac-12, I think, very underrated conference. They've really proved it in the NCAA tournament. So we'll get to the uh, the Sweet 16 games. We'll start with the games on Saturday. We'll start with the South region. We'll start with Baylor, with uh, the region with Baylor, uh, Baylor, Villanova. They're going to play in the first game on uh, on Saturday night, and then the Oral Roberts Arkansas game. They'll play in the second game. And uh, I got a couple questions. And the first one is is can Oral Roberts carry this momentum to the Final Four? It's going to be very tall. If they, they're going to have to be able to shoot the ball very well because you've seen they're not great on the boards. They, they get absolutely owned. I think they give up about 13 or 14 rebounds a game or offensive rebounds a game. Uh, Cage, you know, um, O'Born and, and uh, Abnis, if they, they shoot, they can't, you know, they can shoot their way in the Final Four. They, they really can. But can they make enough stops and could they rebound the basketball? It's going to be the toughest thing for the for the 
uh, for Oral Roberts. Where do you have them? Uh, where do you have them losing in this in in, in the in this region? Lead eight or Sweet Sixteen? I do think it's to be the Sweet Sixteen against Arkansas. Um, they played Arkansas tough the first time. They gave up fifty-seven points in the second half. You know, Arkansas just able to kind of use their their size to kind of dominate them. They put up fifty-seven points in the second half, but they stayed with it. Will Roberts I think had it down to six with about two minutes left, or no, like one fifteen, and Arkansas hit some free throws to kind of ice it. So. Um, they were we were up by ten at the half. Joseph Smith at twenty two seventeen. They got to figure out a way to slow him down. But if they can't, yeah, I, I think it could be a really long night for Oral Roberts. But Max Avis in that game was like three for twelve. He did not shoot well at all. Other guys kind of stepped up around him. They're day on. They may need that on a Saturday night. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll we'll see what happens there. And uh, who do you have winning this region? Right now, I do still have the Baylor Bears. Um, I am looking forward to if it, if, you know, if it goes according to plan, Baylor and Arkansas, I think that could be a really fun matchup, an up and down game. Um, but I, I think Baylor could edge them out. I just think their guards are so good. Um, but again, I think Villanova could give Baylor a test Saturday night, but I think Baylor right now um, is playing some really good basketball. And I think they could be able to uh, win this region. Yeah, oh, I think yeah, I think Baylor is clearly the favorite to win the region, and, and in my opinion, I got a, uh, I got uh, I got Baylor beating Villanova. I just think Jay Wright's done a great job. He's a top five coach in college basketball, one of the best. But I think Baylor's going to be too much for him. And I got actually Oral Roberts upsetting Arkansas, so I got Oral Roberts and Baylor in the Elite Eight, and I got Baylor uh, heading to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, I'd be fun. I would love to see Oral Roberts get the Elite Eight. I'll be I'll be cheering for him, but. Uh... Yeah, that that'd be that'd be great, great, very cool thing to see a 15 seed, first time ever. That'd be the first one. Ever. Wow, yeah, be the first time a, if if Oral Roberts wins on Saturday, be the first time a 15 goes to the uh, Elite Eight, right? Yeah, don't. Yep, yeah, it's the only second time it's 15 down in the Sweet 16. That was uh, Florida Gulf Coast, so it's a very oh, wow. rare occurrence. Oh wow, wow, wow. So uh, we'll go to the Midwest region. This is the most wide open region right now because of because of Illinois losing. You got uh, you got you got Oregon State, Loyola, Syracuse, and uh, Houston. The two teams I had in the Elite Eight are both out: West Virginia and uh, Illinois, who had win the national championship. So, Justin, what are the chances that we see a Loyola Syracuse matchup in the Elite Eight? Um, I think it's very possible. You know, Houston's very very good defensively. Um, and that's why I'm really looking forward to this matchup. It's how you know how does Houston kind of contain Buddy? And again, everybody on Syracuse really stepped up and shot the ball really well. Um, the last few weeks for the Orange, um, you know, for he's in you know how does Houston attack the zone again? I think Calvin Sams is smart enough to put a guy at the free throw line and be able to attack it that way. Because uh, I don't know why Huggins waited so long to do that in San Diego State, which just they didn't even try, but they were out of the game in five minutes. Um, but that, you know, that, that, again, there's a good chance Syracuse could, you know, shoot the ball really well. Uh, I think Houston's going to be able to dominate them on the board, but if they can kind of somehow hold their own, it's very possible for the Orange to win this game. For Lyola, I really do love the the Ramblers in this game. I texted you Sunday. I kind of said it on our um, on the post podcast yesterday. Porter Mojo just reminds me a ton of Brad Stevens when he was at Butler. You know, they don't have a ton of talent, but they they – they deflect every pass. They don't give up on any plays. You know, they just, they're smart. They don't beat themselves. You know, guys just develop. He just finds guys that fit the system. Cameron Crutwick, how many centers do you see 
have his smarts out there. It's very rare to see. Um, they're going to be a tough out for Oregon State. This is a game where, you know, probably going to be the 50s and 60s. It's not going to be enjoyable for, for somebody who likes shootouts. But um, I, I really do love Loyola Chicago to win this game to Oregon State. I think, you know, um, Ethan Thomas has been great for him. But, you know, Loyola knows how to shut down your best guy. You know, Ford Moser's great at doing that. I think he'll be able to do that Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it'll be. I think, it'll be a, I think there's a very good chance of those two teams getting there. And I got one question, because uh, you, you, you've st- you've watched these teams all year, and you've watched these teams throughout the last, you know, four. Uh, you've run obviously Syracuse pretty much your whole life, and, and probably you know the last four or five years. Why do both these teams have so Syracuse? I mean, Syracuse and uh, Loyola. Why do these teams have so much success in the tournament? You know, again, one of the one side, it, it's co- you know, coaching is a big part of it. And again, I think too, it's a lot of, look, you know, Jim Beheim for teams who don't face Jim Beheim day in and day or, you know, year in year out, it's tough to beat this two, three zone, you know, and I know even nowadays still with guys being able to, to shoot, it's still because I think it, cause it win. shuts penetration down. You don't not able to penetrate the way you, you are when you play man. If you play man, you could get by your guy, you know, another, another guy, you know, helps, then you could kick, kick the ball out to the corner and a guy at the three, you can't do that in zone. That's, that's, that's more difficult in zone. You can't penetrate the way you can when a team plays man-to-man defense. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely difficult. You know, um, it, it, it's a great point. And then also too, um, with always at Syracuse link too, he's, you know, buddy six, five Gerard's like six, four. He always has length at those pot spots too, where it makes it really tough. So guys can't drive through. The yeah. zone. Yep. You know, that too. So yeah, it, it's tough there to be able to get through, and then they've just been shooting the ball so well. For Loyola, it's just – Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Um, I really do. He, he, you know. Come on. You can't ignore – you cannot ignore how great Coach K is. You cannot ignore uh, – we talked about Jay Wright. We talked about Tom Izzo, okay? Those are clearly the top three coaches in college basketball. I don't okay? know if Tom Izzo's top three. I, I don't know about that. Because, look, this is what – out of all these power five or power six, whatever you want to, you know, say, how many of them are great at X's and O's? Like Port Morgan. Oh, I Coach think- K. Coach K is very good at X's and O's. Jay Wright's very good at X's and O's. Tom is uh not not yeah. as good as those guys at X's and O's. John Calipari, we know, is not the best X's and O's guy. You could see, you could see this year why John Calipari is not an elite coach. I mean, I know he didn't have a lot of practice time, but to be under five hundred at Kentucky, come on. You know why John Calipari is not great, but you can't you can't say Coach Peter Mosier, Porter Mosier is better than Coach K. Coach K is a legend. Coach K is a five time national champion. Coach K has been in nine national championship games. You cannot say Porter Mosier is better than Coach K. Again, I, I think X is otherwise he is, but that's just what about what about, only... what about what about recruiting? What about recruiting? Recruiting for Duke. Look, the recruiting strategy for Duke it does not work. You know, this, this is so Duke in Kentucky. They have to change their ways because this is how you win the tournament with senior leadership and development. Yeah, fans may not be happy that they don't get the five-star flashy guy, but and it said it's a three-star that's going to be the developing program you're going to watch for three, four years, be a great player. I, that's how you win in March. I don't really care about the recruiting. He develops his guys where, yeah, Lucas Williamson, he's not going to play in the NBA more than likely. Cameron Cartwick, I think, could be, be a G League guy. You know, but he's not very athletic. But again, his smarts. I think he should go into coaching whenever he's done with his playing career. 
Um, you know, X is an old because I'm like, yeah, you know, Bill Self isn't, Tom Izzo ain't. The one about Duke is the most credit I give Mike Stretzky for is that 91 win against UNLV. I've seen that game. You know, it, everybody yeah. know he gave their, them a chance. I thought this year he wasn't great at the X's and O's, you know. I mean, he had um, a terrible team, though. He had a horrible team this year. That team was terrible. Again, they still had some pieces around, you know, for, for Duke to be 500, too, is it's very unacceptable. You know, I, I think X's and O's wise, Moser Moser's great, you know. Yeah. yeah. And again, he finds the right guys for his system. That's why I think the ball, the Paul should throw the every cent they have on him. But, um, you know, to me, you know, I, I really do like Moser. Um, and I, I think they have a great, great game plan to see or great game plan to be able to shut down Ethan Thompson and the beard offense, which has struggled at times. They've really shot the ball well since um, the Pac-12 tournament a few weeks ago, and they've kind of just carried momentum since then. Um, but I, I do have a lot of winning, like a very low-scoring kind of defensive battle. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you have Loy- you have Loyola going to the Elite Eight. So who do you have in your Elite Eight? I got Loyola. I got Loyola Chicago versus Houston, and I and, got Loyola. Uh, got Loyola winning. Yep, I got Loyola back in final four. Wow, nice, nice. And I actually have the same thing. I got Loy- I got Loyola beating uh, Oregon State. I got I got uh, Houston beating Syracuse because eventually a team's going to shoot threes on that dinosaur, and he's not going to adjust. And eventually, eventually, eventually they're going to get eliminated. So I got Houston, I got Houston and Loyola and I got Loyola heading to the final four. So I got, I, so I got, we, I got Baylor and Loyola in one of our final four matchups and you got the same. Yeah. You know, I, that'd be great. Loyola or Baylor, I think could be very interesting. You know? Yeah. I, I think Loyola can match up with them. Yeah. So that's, that, so that's, that's my first final four matchup. That you, that's your first final four matchup, but we'll head to the West region where we got, Creighton and Gonzaga, and we got a uh, a Pac-12 matchup, uh, Oregon and USC. Very, very interesting matchup there. I think that's actually for me one of the most interesting matchups uh, in this tournament. You know, seeing or the, with the contrast in style, Oregon's guard play of uh, with, with with Richardson and Figueroa, and what's what's that guy's name? Dur- starts the D. Duart. Duart. Yeah, of course. With the but the, no Pac-12 games. And that's another issue with Pac-12 games too. Yeah, they're not they're only on late, but you can't find half of them because they're on the Pac-12 what network. Yeah. And I don't get the Pac-12 network. That's another reason, Jace, why I don't watch a lot of Pac-12 college basketball, okay? That's another reason I got. You just you I don't have I can't find the Pac-12 network on my TV. That's another reason I don't watch it. So, yeah, so so uh yeah, so that, that so yeah, that should be a very very interesting matchup. But first question for for this region Justin is uh, is can anyone beat Gonzaga? Really? I- it, it, you know, I would. I'm really. I think USC and Oregon give them the best chance. Now, do I think they can win? Can Oregon or USC actually beat them? Again, I, I hope it's Oregon because that my one of my brackets has Oregon win the whole thing. That'd be beautiful. But um, I think you know. Again, the Mobley brothers, I think, could match up. Um, the you know, I think we've talked about this before, but Evan Mobley to me, he just does not like physicality. I don't know what it is, but he's not great. You know, Dean kind of backed down a bit when he faced Josh Carlton. I saw yeah, like no. that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. That, that that gave me a lot of warning signs about him. But um, I, I think both the – I think with the guard play of Oregon, Dana Oldman's one of the most underrated coaches, I think, in college basketball. I think, you know, um, Oregon, I think this is like the seventh – you know, seven of the last eight years they've been in the tournament. I think this is their fifth 
fourth or fifth Sweet 16 in that They got to a Final Four four years ago when they lost to North Carolina. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think that team was a three or four seed, believe I think. But, uh, yeah, um, he's done a great job here really elevating this program. Um, And I think he could – you know, I, I think he could kind of get a good game plan for this Gonzaga team. But, again, I just don't know how you – you know, I liked his idea of trying to, okay, let's just guy put one guy in Luka Garza, let him put up 50 points he has to, but nobody else is going to score. Again, but, you know, and the problem with that with Gonzaga is they just have so many guys that they're just, you know, who do you want to take? You can take five guys on that team and go, you know – which one do you want? You know, it's just, there's just too many weapons on that team. Um, but I think USC could too. They can match up size wise. Um, but, and I think USC has got some link to it, their guards, but it'd be tough. I, I think both those teams could maybe hang around. I don't know if they could actually take them down. How good Gonzaga is right now. Yeah. 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 I kind of agree. I just think Gonzaga's, you know, them and Baylor are clearly the top two teams in the country. You look at Gonzaga, there's no, there's no weaknesses. I mean, you got a good guard playing Jalen Suggs. I said I'm posting up yesterday. You got great guard playing Jalen Suggs. You got, uh, you got, uh, you got Drew Timmy inside and you got a Kisper who can hit three. So there's really no weakness for Gonzaga. And obviously you got them winning this region. You know, I do. But you like I, you the, know, your, your actually, guys from Oregon. You like you like your guys from Oregon. Yeah, I'm gonna pull the trigger. Actually, oh, I'm you're gonna, gonna do it. I'm gonna, I may have just jinxed Oregon, though. I, I may have oh, just jinxed Oregon. Yeah, but you're, but you're gonna take Oregon. I'm gonna take Oregon. Oh, I, you I got a seven it, and an eight in the. Oh yeah, this happened. This happened. This has happened mm-hmm. before. You have a seven and an eight in the, in the final four. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah, fourteen. Uh, yeah, fourteen and yeah, fourteen. Do that fourteen. Um, I, you know, I can see it. Of course, Jace, Jace is a big fan because a Pac-12 team, it's an upset. Jace is all pumped up that you picked Oregon. Yep. Yeah. I I think they could, I think they could do it. I think, you know, I think they could be able to score with them. They can get enough stops. You know, if Eugene, um, or Umarui, he played really well. I felt like against Iowa, um, you know, Chris, you I think really is going to make a name for himself. But, yeah, Gonzaga has no weaknesses. That's why it really does scare me. Jalen Sugg was a four-star quarterback, too, in high school. Like, he got offered to play wow. for um, – Yeah, I remember, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. So, you know, he, he's a great athlete. Um, you know, Timmy Kisberg would be tough match down low. Their worst shooting day was Monday with 49%. That's the worst wow. shooting court they've had all year. Wow, wow, wow. And, you know, they won 25 straight double-digit games. Look, BYU gave them all they could handle a few weeks ago in the in – the, um, West Coast Conference Finals. I think Oregon's, you know, could do it. But, yeah, Gonzaga just no weaknesses. It does kind of scare me to take that. But, you know, I, I'll call it. You know, I think Oregon's the one team that could do it. I think Dana could put a pretty good matchup together for him. I'll take Oregon to win this region. I'll kind of – yeah, wow. I, I want to be chalkier because – when does he wow. expect it to happen here in the NCAA? Wow. It never does. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, I got, uh, I got, you know, Creighton. I got you know, Gonzaga beating Creighton pretty good by, by double digits. I got, uh, I got, and we got, what if Oregon and Oregon State play the national title? Let's entertain that <laughs> idea. Hey, very good. Very good. And that's, and that's, yeah, that's, and that's possible. Right. Hey, Oregon, Oregon State for a national championship. The, 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 the civil war for the national title. That's that, that, yeah, that, 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 that's pretty good. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Great idea for it. I wasn't even thinking of that. 
great idea by Hector there to, to, to really think of that. Because what would happen is if uh, it would, or uh, let's just see what would happen. Oregon would have to beat uh, US, they'd have to beat USC. They'd have to beat on uh, Gonzaga. They'd have to beat whoever wins the East region. And then Oregon state would have to beat, uh, they'd have to beat Loyola, Chicago, Syracuse, or Houston, probably, uh, probably Baylor. And then we'd have that Oregon, Oregon state national championship game. What would you think of that? How, how, do, you th- how do you think that matchup would go? If they play? Uh, Oregon state's actually won two of the three this year. So believe it or not. So um, this would be a, you know, I don't think that yet. this would be really cool. Uh, I know Jason would probably love the idea. Oh, they played, um, they've already played three times. So it'd be the fourth yeah. time they play. Oh, wow. Yep. So, you know, that's the interesting part. I'd probably take Oregon the game close, but you know, Wayne Tinkle has done an unbelievable job. Um, you know, again, Oregon State was just playing so well. They beat them you know, back in the semifinals of the tournament. That'd be great. You know, like when's the last time we've actually had a rivalry game in national championship? Like 80, you know, I, the only one I can I mean, think of I mean, is 85. I mean, you know, 85 with uh, Duke and Louisville? Or, oh, you know, I mean, 84 with, uh, with uh, Norsan Nova. No, 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 80, no 85. 86 was Louisville Duke. 85 was a Georgetown Villanova. Yeah, Big East battle in the final. He did have UConn yeah. and Kentucky, and that's a little bit of a rivalry yeah, because of because Calhoun was kind of still involved there in 014, yeah. and you had Calipari. Calhoun Calipari's obviously when those two go out, that's a rivalry. But oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you got a good point. Really, for two teams in the same conference playing against each other, the last time I think we've had that was uh, 1985 with uh, with Georgetown Villanova. That's a legendary game. That's a game everybody talks about with Rolly Massimino upsetting John Thompson. Yeah, oh yeah, that that, that was a great game. I, I kind of seen part. I haven't been able to watch a full game of that, but yeah, uh, everything I've heard that you know what a run Dova had, but yeah, that'd be something cool. Now, actually, I did think about this one too because I actually saw it. There, it was you know some Duke thing. You kind of actually ranked second on you on Duke's rivalry by North Carolina. Yeah, because so, the, the thing, the reason is, is they beat you know, they beat them in two Final Fours. They beat them in the '99 national championship game when Duke had a great team. Duke's team was I only had one loss, and then then. Uh, UConn beat uh, UConn beat, upset them, and then in 04, UConn beat Duke in the national semifinal game. And a lot of people will say if and that did avoid an all ACC final between Georgia Tech and Duke, but a lot of people will say if UConn if if uh, Duke beats UConn, they win the national title in 2004. So UConn pretty much prevented Duke from having two national championships. Yeah, which is great, you know. Uh, love that, but that, yeah, you know, I remember that '99 one. They nobody really thought UConn was gonna win that. You know, everything no, I've heard, no, you know, everybody no, was on Duke. No, yeah, no, they, no, no, they, no, yeah. Be very rare to have a rivalry game like this, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. I, I, I'd be all in for Oregon, Oregon State. That'd be great yeah. for the Pac-12. That'd be yeah. great. I was not thinking of that at all. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Hector. Thanks a lot for, for Hector for bringing that up. I mean, I wasn't thinking of that at all, but I'd, I'd be looking forward to that. If that's, I, I think we should get. He said, I think we should get a yeah. Baylor Gonzaga. We should. I think we should get Baylor versus Gonzaga. The game was canceled. Yeah, no, that would make a lot of sense. Have, getting Baylor Gonzaga, because yeah, that would. Yeah, that right. Right. I'm not gonna. I'll say. I'll say it once we wrap up college basketball. But yeah, that would be great if we get that in the national title game because that game got canceled due to COVID. Yeah, definitely. You know, those have been the pretty much the two best teams all year. Um, yeah, you know, we kind of got that game taken away from us. That that would be great. You know, I, I think that national championship. Two teams too that have never won a national championship either. So they got all that. You know, kind of, you know, one game away from getting their first ever title. So yeah, it, it, that'd be that'd be the matchup to watch at this point. You know, with the 16 teams left. So speaking of Gonzaga, going back to their region, I got them beating Creighton. I got Oregon beating USC, and then I got Gonzaga beating Oregon in the Elite Eight. So you got Oregon, I got Gonzaga. So that's where we differ a little bit. 
on the West region. Now going to the East region with Florida State. We got Florida State and Michigan, and we got UCLA and Alabama. The question is: is we know Michigan and Bamba are the fa- are the favorites in this region. Clearly, the favorites between UCLA and Florida State. Who has a better chance of getting in the Final Four? I have Florida State and Lennon Hamilton. I think with yeah. their length, with their size, they got and three they, guys. I, I actually think they're going to beat Michigan. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. I think they will because they got three guys they can match up with uh, Hunter Dickerson. Um, and if, and if, if Michigan can't shoot and against Florida State, they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, it, it definitely. You know, LSU they play they beat an LSU team that plays absolutely no defense. If you watch that game on it, they they did not. They did not care at all defensively. That's been their problem. All Will year. Wade needs to be fired. He's a, he's he's a terror. He's not a good. He's not a good. He's above. He's maybe if, if he's like an average to above average coach at best. His teams don't play defense with the talent they have. They can't be scoring that many points and, and losing that game. No, yeah, no, they can't. And you know he he should be because that and because of the recruiting scandals. But again, oh, no, that, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know if you heard, but it sounds like Sean Miller may be earning himself a contract extension. So makes no uh, sense at all. Terrible. Yeah, I know. NCA for you, you know, just who knows? But um, yeah, uh, he, he probably should be. I think you know, Michigan no livers, probably not livers. Um, but yeah, with Brooks, Johnny Brown, they really hit some shots big time for for on um, the Wolverines to be able to come back in that game. Yeah, you know, for you know, I think yeah, Florida State size. I you know, Leonard Hamilton always has a lengthy team, and I think that could really bother Michigan in this game. Um, Michigan, you know, Florida State usually does a good job too at turning over. Michigan's good against that though. Um, but yeah, this should be a fun one. That's going to be up and down. But yeah, I got if Florida State can shoot like they did on Monday night against Colorado, or is it going to be Saturday where they did against Greenberg? They didn't hit a three. You know that that's the thing. What shooting team's going to come up big for for the Seminoles? But yeah, I, I think the Seminoles right now are, are better positioned than the Bruins are. Who do you got winning the region? I got um I got Alabama. I, I love their defense. They just shoot lights out. This um Nados has done an incredible job. I'll take back what I've said of UConn, you know, may have had a shot with Alabama. They would have probably beat them by fifty. So uh that they that would have been ugly. UConn played Alabama one day. Um I, I got the Crimson Tide going to the final four for the first time I think in school history. So uh so for the final four for me it is it's uh Baylor, it's Loyola Chicago. Uh, and I got Alabama, and I'll say what I got in the, in the East region. I got Florida State beating Michigan. I got Alabama beating beating UCLA, and then I got Alabama beating Florida State. So for me, the fi- my final four right now is uh, it's uh, Baylor, Loyola, Chicago, Alabama, and Gonzaga. And obviously, in the final, I got what Hector wants: his Baylor Bears against Gonzaga. But right now, I do have Gonzaga beating Baylor in the final. Yeah, you know, right now. Um... So I get Oregon and Alabama. I'll, I'll keep riding my Oregon Ducks here. I'll get in the national championship game. And I'm actually going to go with Loyola Chicago. I'm going to go with a 7-8. and eight. First time we've had that since, you know, UConn, Kentucky back 2014. I think Oregon knocks off uh, Loyola Chicago in the national championship game. I think Peter Moser finds a way to slow down Baylor. Um, and Jace Hughes. Jace has got Jace, oh, Gonzaga, Baylor, Bama, and Cuse. Of course, Jace has Cuse because he's a Syracuse fan. Let me tell you something. That is the one team I do not want to win the national championship. Oh, Any team can win but Syracuse. Oh. After what happened with Jim Beheim two years ago, I'm not going to get totally into it. To see him hold that national champion, to see him be crowned a national champion would make me sick. I, 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 that's, that is the one team by far 
I do not want to see win the national championship is Syracuse. I can't stand them because I'm a UConn fan, and I, I, I respect Bayheim as a coach, but unfortunately, I don't respect him as a person, and that will, and I will get to other. Be careful. You might talk yourself into Listen, Jace, I, I, that is the last thing I want to see is, yeah. uh, is, is, is Syracuse win the national championship in, in this tournament. That is the last thing I want to see. I'll rather see – I'll take seeing a ton of – seeing Oregon State make – or I mean, I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. – I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing anybody, anybody make a run outside of, uh, outside of Syracuse. I do not want to see Syracuse uh, win the national title. Anything oh, but that. Me neither. Oh, that that made me sick, especially the way it finally looks like UConn's back, and it's like, well, Syracuse is not winning a national champion. That that would, especially you know, with you know, we talk about with Beheim, and then also the way he just goes after reporters too is really oh, it's ridiculous, well. it's absurd. He's, he's I, such a douche he's a to reporters. Man. Oh God, he's such a douche he's a to reporters. Man. I mean, oh, I uh, and I, yeah, I mean, it's just it's 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 awful. I, I mean, he's definitely I, just. I mean, yeah, he's a great coach, but. I'm sorry. Is uh, with, with what happened with the Bernie Fine situation, what happened two years ago, and the fact he's still coaching, he definitely is the coach I hate the most in college basketball. Yeah, him, Calipari, Krzyzewski take my top three. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Up there, but, uh, Him um, and Kim and Calipari are my top two. two I, yeah, I, I, I have the utmost respect for Coach Kai. I have a little bit. I don't know. I, I he's kind of come on the last few years too as a little going after reporter. I don't know. Yeah, again, this is why yeah, I forgot to mention this a few weeks ago. Now we know why he won 130 te- or 149 teams. He knew his team wasn't be good this year in the tournament. That's why he wanted everybody in. That's so, another story for another day. But yes. yeah, but, but yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, I, oh, that 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 would just. Oh, I I don't know if I'd be able to get out of bed that next morning. I'd be very depressed. That would be that 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 would be that would be that would that would be a tough sports moment. That would be up there from the Eagles winning the Super Bowl three years ago. The Red Sox winning the series in 04. That that and it wouldn't be as bad as that, but that would be up there if Syracuse yeah. won the national championship. That that, that, that that would be up there. But to recap, you know, our, our, our final four is uh my final four is Baylor, Loyola, Chicago. Uh I got Loyola Baylor, Loyola, Chicago, Bama, and uh Gonzaga. That's that's my that, that's my final four. And yours your what was yours? Yours is the same same, but you just have Oregon instead of Gonzaga. Oregon, yep. I got Oregon, Lyle, Chicago in that championship game, and I got the Ducks taking home their first national title since 1939. Wow, so you got Oregon winning the national championship. Yeah, that is crazy. I just babe just drinked one of my brackets. So or so or so or is it or, Oregon over Baylor? Oregon over Loyola. Oh, Oregon Loyola Chicago final. Oh my God, Oregon over Loyola Chicago. Oh my. Listen, you heard it first. first. Okay, I got Gonzaga Baylor. You got Oregon Loyola Chicago. We'll see what happens. But when does he expect it happen in the tournament? When when does that not happen? When does he expect? Once when does it expect? You know, when the expected or. On it, you know, it's always unexpected. It's I know, never really I, know. I got guess, it, so I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay, so your Oregon Loyola Chicago final can happen, and then my uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see with two different finals. We'll see which which end which which one ends up happening. But we got big news in the NFL with Deshaun Watson and the Giants. Before that, we got a promo from Keys to the City. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast, Keys yes. to the City. 
A cross up by Colby, will float to Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I, I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Thank you, Ted and Trevor. And obviously, the, uh, obviously they'll be on on Friday talking March Madness and uh, these offseason moves in the NFL. But we have, a, we have, we have some moves and, and some unfortunate news, obviously, about Deshaun Watson uh, over the last week. Uh, now there's 16 lawsuits alleged uh, sexual assault, loss, loss, of alleged sexual assault have been brought against him. It's just it's very unfortunate right now, very unfortunate situation. We re- it's going to be tough to comment on this because we don't know if any of this stuff is true. He's not been, nothing has happened to him yet. Uh, he's not been he's not been arrested yet for anything. So I don't think it's going to be hard to comment on anything. But it's just it's a crazy story for a guy that doesn't want to, that that uh it doesn't want to be on doesn't want to pl- play for the Texans and we'll see. He may not be playing any football this year. Seeing what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. We don't have any evidence. We don't know who's right or wrong in this. So yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to kind of comment all this. So. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. Hopefully it gets solved and, you know, it's, you know, you hope it's just, yeah, it's just a weird situation that it's kind of going on. It's weird timing, but it's, it's kind of, but yeah, you just, you just don't know. And I don't, you know, you just, yeah, you don't know what's going on in the situation. It's just, you know, there's just, there's no evidence yet on anything. So you can't really accuse any side, I feel like right now. But, yeah, yeah, and the thing is, you know, knowing how good he is, there's still interest from you know the Broncos, the Jets, the Dolphins, uh, the 49ers. There's still interest in Deshaun Watson because of how good he is, but we just don't know. I don't think I don't think he's gonna be traded. For, I don't think he's gonna be traded for a while. Seeing this news, because you just there's just such an unknown if he's, if he's even gonna play this year. Yeah, you know, you definitely, yeah, it's totally possible. You know, I I don't know, and I feel like if teams are still interested, I feel like they know something that maybe it isn't true. But again, I, I, you know, I don't want to like start speculating on any of that, but I don't know. It just, but yeah, you know, it could be a while. And I know they just signed Tyrod Taylor, you know, for, you know, just, you know, for their emergency plan, I guess at the moment, for the moment. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's weird time. Who knows? Yeah. When, you know, when when we could see Deshaun Watson on the field again. Exactly, exactly. We'll be monitoring this story all throughout the offseason. But we got to get to some good news in the NFL, and that's the Giants. And they made a pretty big move on Saturday as they got their number one receiver. They signed Kenny Galladay. And this is, and for me, I, 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 like, I, I like this move. I really do. I think this offense now with Saquon Barkley and, Ken, and, and Kenny Galladay, we got Daniel Jones, you got Sterling Shepard, you got Darius Slayton. Uh, you, know, you look at, at the Giants on the defensive side of the ball. Resigning Leonard, resigning Leonard Williams, obviously Bradbury and Bradbury and Martinez, they restructure their contract to open up some cap space to end up going out and signing a Dory Jackson as the number two corner too. I'm telling you, this is the year for Daniel Jones. If he does not have a good year this year, he is gone. There are no excuses anymore for Daniel Jones. They they've now went out and and got him. For, uh, for, uh, they signed Kenny Dalladay for 18 million a year. There's no excuse for Daniel Jones not to not to not to have a good season. If he has the year he had last year, he is gone. Uh, just he has to have, he has to have a good year. The Giants got to be a nine ten win team. I'm predicting them to win the NFC East. In my opinion, I think they're the best team in the NFC East right now because they're the most solid team in the NFC East. If you look at the Cowboys, the problem with the Cowboys is they got a really good they got a really good offense. I'll give them that with Amari Cooper, with C.D. Lamb, with Dak Prescott, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Tony Pollard, and their offense. And they should be getting a uh, they should be getting 
uh, Zach Martin. They should be getting Zach Martin and uh, and Lyle Collins back on the offensive offensive line. And Ty, and Ty, they should be getting Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins back on the offensive line. So their offensive line should be a little bit better. But defensively, the Cowboys, there's really one player you can trust in that defense, and that's Demarcus Lawrence. That's it. And I, I know Van Der Esch, he was only really good his rookie year. He's, he's, he's dealt with injuries. Jalen Smith is overrated. Their secondary is absolutely terrible. So I, I think the Cowboys, they're a good team offensively, but they're not a well-rounded team because they, they struggle defensively. Washington, yes, a lot of people like Washington, but the problem with Washington is you don't know what you're gonna you don't know what you're gonna get out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 37 years old. He's very turnover prone. I know they got a good a good front four. I want to hear great defense. I'm tired of hearing about great defense with Washington. They got a good defense. They got a they got a great front seven, but the secondary is questionable. The linebacker the linebackers are not great, but their front four is great, which makes their defense really good. And then the Eagles, they're 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 to me they're right now they're a dumpster fire. And uh, you don't know what you're getting at quarterback at all with with uh, with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you don't know what, what they're going to do with the number six pick. Their defensive line is aging. So for me, they're the worst team in the NFC East. And I think the Giants are the best team in the NFC East. And I think this move makes them the best team in the NFC East because they got they got the number one receiver that Daniel Jones needs. Now Daniel Jones has got to step up and make it happen. Totally. Yeah. I guess the Giants are now the best team too. I, yeah, you, you said it. They're the most well-rounded team in this division. Yeah, Washington's offense, who knows? You know, they picked up Curtis Samuel, which is another nice – wide receiver that they need for this offense. But, yeah, you know, they need some work still in the secondary. Again, Ron Rivera is one of the best coaches, probably the best coach in the NFC East, I feel like. So, you know, in year two, they're going to take a step forward. But, again, I, I don't see them winning more than nine. I see the Giants 10-11. Now, you know, you hope for the Giants, too, that Barkley could stay healthy this year. Galladay could stay Galladay. healthy. That, 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 that's the big thing. That's the big yeah. thing, if these two guys can stay healthy. I get the skeptics that say the Giants aren't going to be that good. And the big reason for that is Jones is inconsistent. And Kenny Galladay has missed 17 games in his first four years in the league. And Saquon Barkley's not been able to stay healthy. So that's going to be a humongous key to this Giants team is if those two guys can stay healthy. Totally. You know, if they can, yeah, I think they win 10, 11 games. Yeah. Even if they are hurt, I feel like they're still, especially in the defense now with Dory Jackson. You know, that, that secondary is really, really good now. It was already good to start with. Now you just add another, top, you know, uh, good cornerback into that um, into that defense. So you know, I like I could even see the Giants win this thing at like nine, eight games. You know, with their with their defense, I feel like too. They don't need Jones to put up thirty a game. I know you would like that Jones. No, and, and Joe put and Joe puts up the and Joe talks about that all the time. The, the Giants they could win with their defense. They could win with running the football, and then Jones in the red zone get the ball to Kenny Galladay. Joe talks about it all the time. They gotta they gotta they gotta play Giants football. He brings it up on John about the G men all the time what the Giants got to do to be successful. And I think this team can be very successful if they're a run-first team with Saquon, you know, get in the red zone, throw the ball to Kenny Galladay, and play good defense. Totally, you know, and that's really it. It's all you need, you know. Again, you don't need to play in shootouts, which is, I know, very popular nowadays. But, yeah, you know, you could play old-school football and still, and still have a good chance when you have a roster like this right now put together. So, yeah, you know, as long as you don't stay away from the turnover this year, Guys can stay healthy. I do really, really like this Giants team. It's, yeah, you know, there's nobody else. They're the most well-rounded. Yeah, you just can't trust anybody else in the division or not. I think Washington finished in second. The Cowboys, yes, they, you know, they could put up 35 a game, but, you know, they could give up 40 points on defense, though. And then for the Eagles, yeah, you know, they signed Jewel Flacco yesterday. But I don't think that really moves the needle. No, not at all. That's not 2012 anymore. Where he was a franchise quarterback. It's not 2012 or 2014. It's not. It's not that anymore. Joe Flacco is now a backup 
right now. But yeah, a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're just picking the Giants because you're a Giants fan. And that's completely, completely not the case. Justin knows it. I'm not picking them because I'm a Giants fan. I didn't pick the Giants win the NFC East last year. I'm picking them because there's no Tampa Bay in the NFC East. There's no Green Bay in the NFC East. There's no Rams in the NFC East. You're not facing Russell Wilson twice a year in the NFC East. So I'm picking them because they're the best out of a division. They're probably the best team in the worst division in football. Uh, yes, yes. I, I think this Giants team is is improving and they're going in the right direction. That's why I think they're going to win the NFC East. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. you know? Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't say in the Giants. You know that, Steve. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah I still think they, they are going to win the division. Yeah, they're in the, best, they're in the best spot right now. They're like the one team that kind of knows what they're doing right now. You know, I think what some of Washington does, but again, they still need some work on the offense. You know, Dallas is kind of the defense. They just the defense is bad because they waited to pay Dak Prescott too long, and Philly's just a mess. Yeah, so it's like they're kind of the only team right now that solid on both sides of the ball uh, in this division. Everyone else kind of has a weakness on one side of the ball, and I think that's why the Giants win 10, 11 games. I really do. I, I think they, you know, in this division, you go like six and two or. Four and two, yeah. Yeah, I I think the very easy easy can go four and two. Five and one will be tough, but four and two is very doable. Yeah, and and that that would definitely be enough. And again, you know, the schedule two, I feel like, um, you know, kind of get you know some you know favorable two. It's not not gonna be terrible. So I I feel like ten eleven wins is very manageable for this Giants team. Oh, without question. Yeah, I mean, I think eleven could be a little a little a little high, but nine to ten. Very, very manageable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, obviously, I think that'd be just be enough. Like, I think Washington maybe. Oh yeah, I think nine. I think nine, I think nine wins is going to be enough to win this division. I yeah. really think nine. No, it's going to be not. It's not going to be like last year where you could win the division with seven. You can't be seven and nine and win the division this year, especially with Dak coming back. Because you know, with Dak, the Cowboys are going to win at least half. Their, they're going to win half their games. They're going to be. They're going to be at least an eight and eight team. So I think in nine, ten wins definitely wins this division, in my opinion. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's yeah, it's it's not gonna be as bad as last year. It, it'll be a little bit better, you know. Still won't be one of the best in the football, but yeah, I think Bones, yeah, nine, ten wins, yeah, three. That should be all the Giants need here to get back to the playoffs. Absolutely, but the first time in five years they get back to the playoffs, and if they win the division, it'll be the first time in a decade that they'd won the division. So it's been a lot of bad football for the Giants lately, but I feel like. Joe Judge is starting to turn things around, and I think Dave Gettleman has put this team in position to be successful. And I would not have said this. Uh, I would not have said this uh, uh, five months ago. So you, Dave Gettleman is starting to grow on me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I think you were saying too. You want to go right in like October. It was you know. Oh yeah. The- I wanted them gone in October. Oh man, well, they were one in seven. I, I wanted. Them, I did not want to be in the GM. I think. The, I think the game where that kind of convinced me. All right, we kind of we have kind of a clue what we're doing is the C it was the Seattle game. When they won the Seattle game, I didn't mind ha- having them back. Yeah. They, yeah. They got better throughout the year, you know? Um, yeah. I think you and every giant fan after that game, because I know a lot of giant fans, they were blowing up my phone on Monday night. How excited they were. And, oh, yeah. That no. they want to get them. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. they, they're fans of Gettleman now. You know? Oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So turn the corner. Yeah, so we'll see. Big move for the Giants, and this is the year for Daniel Jones. He's got he's got to get it done this year, or he will not be the Giants' quarterback in the future. But we got to get to, get to the rest of the offseason in the NFL, and we got to do a, a kind of a free agency recap, and we'll do our winners and losers of free agency, and we'll start with my three winners of free agency. And obviously, my first winner is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That, that that's so obvious. I mean, who would have thought 
they would get with with all these with with these four guys being free agents, they would get every single one of them back. Chris Godwin was a free agent; he got franchised. Uh, Shaq Barrett was a fran- Shaq Barrett was a free agent; he signed a four year, seventy two million dollar deal. Uh, uh, today, Nadamikin Sue was a free agent; he signs a one year, ten million dollar deal, and then Levante David, a two year, twenty five million dollar deal. They got all those guys back. It's crazy to think they got all, all of them back. It, it just yeah. shows you Tom Brady freed up cap space. Pretty much brought this entire team back, and the Buccaneers with this, with with, the, with what they did in free agency. Yeah, they didn't sign other people's guys; they signed their own guys, and they got a great chance to repeat as Super Bowl champions. One hundred percent. Now, again, yeah, they have to be the NFC or the NFC favorites at this point in time right now uh, to be able to yeah sign that whole team back. And then look, you're gonna have pieces in the draft too. You know, you're gonna add some more guys and. Yeah, it's Tampa team right now. It again, they it looks like they they have a really nice shot here to go back to back. It was crazy to see them resign both, you know, all, all these guys back. Absolutely, absolutely. My numbers, my second winner is the New England Patriots, just because of how active the Patriots were in free agency, going out and getting Matt Judon to improve their front seven, going out and getting uh, they were very weak at tight end last year, going out and getting getting uh, jo- jo- Jonah Smith and uh, and and Hunter Henry. Uh, Going out and getting Nelson Aguilar at, at receiver, uh, just just all the the improvements they made to that team and really put them in position to be a team that definitely could contend for the postseason. One hundred percent. I'm you know, but for me, yeah, Pat's. I, I'm really excited for this Patriot team right now with their defense. Um, again, that they kind of get some more pieces around Cam Newton now, which I, I hope helps them out. But yeah, you you know, Bill Belichick's kind of you know, Bill Belichick did not want to go quietly here. You know, he wanted to get back, and I know he never been a big spender like this, but I think he really gets it that I haven't done well in the draft lately. I have all this money. Let me go spend it and let me get back here in the title contender. Yeah, yeah. But, but Patriots, the Pats did a really, really good job this offseason to be competitive, especially in the AFC, in the AFCs and in the AFC. So uh, my last winner, obviously, is my team, the Giants, and we discussed that, just, just getting Kenny Galladay, re-signing Leonard Williams. I think Dave Gettleman – has put this team in position, and as we said, the balls in Daniel, the balls in uh, Daniel Jones's court. Now he's got to get the job done. One hundred percent. You know, it, yeah, they they got all the pieces around them. It's yeah, it's up to him now, and you know, this being year three, this is kind of the make it break a year for him. So yeah, it's kind of playoff or bust right now. I feel like for for the Giants. Um, yeah. So uh, Justin, who are your three winners from free agency? I actually have I have the same three as you, yep, so I'll, I'll kind of yep. just take it short brief. You know, number yep. one was Tampa two for me. Yeah, they resign all those those pieces from the Super Bowl. Um, you add Gronk back. Yeah, they lost one this morning. I thought you know James White was going to go there, but he came back to New England, which is nice. Happy yeah. to have James White back and yeah. running back this some. But yeah, Tampa, they're my NFC favorite right now with Tom Brady still. It just that's a scary team right now. Uh, number two are my Patriots. I'm very excited um, to have all these, all, you know, all these defensive pieces. Jalen Mills, I think, could fit really well just because he want, he he can play all over the field, and you know, Bill loves to move move guys around. You know, they got like Kyle Van Noy back. I like the depth that they added on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm really excited for this defense. I think it's gonna be a really fun unit to watch. Um, and then offensively, yeah, you you brought in some weapons here. Hopefully, it can help out Cam. Hopefully. He can start to kind of look like he did the first few weeks before, you know, out COVID and kind of fell off. But um, you know, I'm mean, I'm excited to see where the Patriot team is right here, where the Patriot team's gonna be next year. Um, hopefully back in the playoffs. 
And then number three are the New York Giants. Yeah, going out getting Galladay, getting getting Dory Jackson, re-signing um, Leonard Williams on that defense to be the anchor. Um, it, you know, this Giants team, yeah, they put them they put themselves in. You know, obviously even before free agency, they were right there, but now they really went a step further here to put themselves in front. Of, you know, for the NFC cont- NFC East contention. Um, and, you know, I thought they did a really, really good job this offseason. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we go to our three losers, and there's really one big, big, big loser. I think everybody knows who the big loser is, and that's the Chicago Bears. I mean, you talk all offseason about going out and trading for Russell Wilson, trading for Russell Wilson, trading for Russell Wilson. Uh, you end up – you pretty much, you know, you pretty much give up on Mitch Trubisky. I mean, you, you did during the season, and you, and obviously they're not going to re-sign Mitch Trubisky because he signed with, with the uh, – with, with with the Bills, they didn't, they didn't give him the fifth-year option, so Trubisky's gone. But your solution at quarterback now is, and you, and they better be, but the, and I wouldn't be getting on if they didn't tell Andy Dalton he was going to be the starter. Your solution is to have Andy Dalton be your starting quarterback. When you're a GM and a head coach that's totally on the hot seat, and you're and 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 and, and Andy Dalton is your starting quarterback, I don't get why why Allen Robinson signed his franchise tender because if I'm Allen Robinson, I would want to get the hell out of there. Get the the hell out of there as fast as I can. This is this has potential to be a disaster. This team has potential to be to be the worst team in the NFC because I know they're good on defense, but those those players are going to quit halfway through the season when they see what's going to happen in Chicago this year. I mean, this those fans when Andy Dalton starts to, to play poorly, they are going to boo him so much it's going to be unreal. I'll tell you, it is going to the, the Bears are going to be a disaster. They are a they are. A, I think they're going to be the worst team in the NFC. They were the the loser of free agency, by far the biggest loser of free agency. That organization needs to fire their GM on the spot. Ryan Pace should not be employed. It's it's an embarrassment that Ryan Pace is employed. He shouldn't be. He should be fired. I don't mind Matt Nagy. I, th- I think he's a you know, above average to, to even, you could argue, good head coach seeing some of the talent he's had on offense. But that general manager is absolutely terrible. He is absolutely pathetic. I mean, it all starts with passing on, you know, Deshaun Watson. And, uh, and 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 Patrick Mahomes drafting Mitch Trubisky. Now you think Andy Dalton is the guy? The Bears are set up for a disastrous season. Uh, my number two loser is the Raiders, and I think the problem is I don't mind them getting Kenyon Drake. And in my article, I did have them as one of my losers before they got Kenyon Drake, but I had to keep him there because of what they did with this offensive line. I mean, they get they 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 uh they 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 traded Trent Brown, they traded uh, Gabe Jackson. That makes a little bit of sense. But the move that made absolutely no sense at all was them trading Rodney Hudson. The, 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 he's one of the top centers in the league. You trade him to the Cardinals. And that was an absolute – that was a humongous mistake for the Raiders to make that move. And the thing is, if you saw Derek Carr back in 2018, he wasn't as good of a quarterback because his offensive line wasn't as good. Derek Carr has trouble when, under pressure. And the Raiders are not building this team to their strength. They need to hope and pray – they run the ball well every single game for them to have success because if they got to play from behind. They are in big, big trouble. And my and my last loser is the Seahawks. I mean, yes, they did get Gabe Jackson. They did sign uh sign up uh, Chris Carson, but Gabe Jackson doesn't move the needle and doesn't make that offensive line better. I think that offensive line is going to struggle. I and that was the big reason why Russell Wilson wanted out. So my three losers are the the Bears, Raiders, and Seahawks. Justin, what who are your three losers? Yeah, I got two of the three the same as you. Um, number one for me, I do have the Chicago Bears. That that was very disappointing. You know, Andy Dalton again, and I know, yeah, the GM's on the hot seat, but to already say you're starting quarterback, 
you know, who knew, you know, uh, it just, did I even try to draft the quarterback? I know it could be another, but you can't think, okay, I'm going to be fired. So I don't want to draft the quarterback, you know, for, for whoever takes my job. I don't know it. And then they, you know, yeah, they got out of Robinson back. They didn't really do much else to help that offense. They didn't really do much. To, Cause look, Andy Dalton was, you know, what they, what, they were try, what they were trying to do was trying to get Kenny Galladay to make it kind of how it was for him when he was in when he was with the Cowboys last year, having those receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. They kind of wanted to make it that way. I, they, I heard they tried to attempt to sign Kenny Galladay, but Dalton started poorly. Had a had a decent. He was not. He was. I'm not saying Dalton was good last year for the Cowboys. He was a below a, 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 maybe by the end of the year he was average at best. But he was he did not he was not good for the Cowboys. No, he wasn't. And he had four wide receivers and a great running back. Now he does not really have that, and he does not have an offensive line, and he can't scramble. So this could be a very long year for the Bears' offense. This could be, you know, going to be a long year, I feel like, for the Bears. Um, number two for me are the biggest Raiders. Um, yeah, I just – I don't get what they were doing. Because they took a cap hit, too, and they traded Ronnie Hudson. It's not, It just made no sense. I don't – but again, Gruden still has seven years on his contract, so again, he, he just does whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Ah, the Raiders—they never change, never change. No, no. Um, and then I'll take it a step further line too. Then they, you know, he lost two of his best, you know, Nelson Aguilar. And I know Tyron Williams didn't play last year, but um, you know, they still he lost two wide receivers too. So, but he also he, does, but he, but he also does have Henry Ruggs, and he also has he Darren Waller, one of the best pass catching tight ends in the, in the league. He does. I thought Rooks had kind of a – I thought they were expecting more for Doug's last year. Um, he wasn't, but a great – but um, I, uh, I we think got a really We got a comment here. Uh, my three winners, the San Francisco 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, and the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> they signed free agents uh, Trent Williams and Alex Max. <laughs> Winning them um, 48 – yeah. Uh, yeah, Alex Mack is past oh, his well. prime, though. Let's be honest. Yes, yeah, Alex Mack was with Kyle Shanahan in that 2016 season. With the uh, with 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 the Falcons, but Alex Mack is past his prime, and I did like the Trent. Well, I really like the Trent Williams signing, though, especially when you have a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo who gets hurt a lot. It's very important to have a good left tackle. Really important to sign Trent Williams, so I like that signing. They're right there by the 49ers. Definitely, yeah, it was important to keep Williams that off of the line to keep your quarterback healthy in that NFC West, which is you know just ton of passers you got to face week in week out. So yeah, you know, I thought the Niners did have a. Uh, good job resigning all of their free agents this offseason. Um, and then my third loser, I think Indianapolis Colts. I did think about the Seahawks. Yeah, they did not do anything off of the line to help out um, Russell Wilson. But I thought the Colts, too, because they got Wentz. You, you, you know, they re-signed Marlon Mack. You know, I thought they could have done a little bit more to kind of upgrade themselves, especially in that AFC style where it's really just you and, and the Titans right now. You know, I, I thought they could have done a little bit more to try to make that next step. You know, um, I know T.Y. is still out there. They could still re-sign him. But, um, you know, and then another, like, left tackle, too, I feel like they could have tried to go and find out there. Again, maybe they're addressing them in the draft. But I thought they could have added a little bit more around Carson Wentz after they got him to put themselves in a better position here um, to kind of pull away a little bit from the Titans in the AFC South. But this is where, but this is where I disagree with you. I mean, the Colts still. You remember the Colts now have to pay. Uh, I think this offseason they're going to have to. They're probably going to extend Darius Leonard and they're probably going to extend, extend Quentin Nelson. So I think the Colts. I, I trust what Chris Ballard's doing doing there. I think he wants to keep his own guys. They signed Xavier Rhodes. They signed Marlon Mack. They then they very well could sign Justin Houston and uh, T.Y. Uh, Hilton to 
to team friendly deal. So I, I trust, I trust, uh, I'm not going to call the Colts losers because I like that organization. I'd really trust that organization. That team won 11 games last year with below average quarterback play. I trust what that organization is doing. I trust the head coach. Uh, I think, I think they have a plan. They don't like to spend big. Uh, yeah, they did trade for DeForest Buckner last year, but they don't like to spend big on other people on, 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 on free aid on free and free agency. They like to build through the draft. And, uh, and and they like to sign and they like to sign their own guys. So I think the Colts have a plan there. So I disagree. I could see your point because they didn't go big in free agency with a lot of cap space. But I could. But but I, I think they're 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 spending wisely. They're 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 spending it on signing their own guys. Yeah, you know, which is you know they, that's something the Colts have always felt like they they've done well. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's kind of me. I just felt yeah with the space they still had. I feel like if they tried to go get a Kenny Galladay type, you know, another number one, because it's kind of been their wide receiver. And I know Galladay's another wide receiver that's kind of banged up the last few years. And I know, you know, most of the cold weapons have been as well. But you kind of add him, give another weapon here for, um, um, for um, you know, for Carson Wentz, I feel like really could have helped this offense out a little bit. You know, um, definitely, you know, having to resign Nelson and, and, and um, Darius Leonard, Definitely huge priorities for him. Um, I just thought they could have spent a little bit and helped out, you know, going to get a little bit outside of talent. I, this is, you know, definitely a really good organization. They they got, you know, after they lost man, they kind of had that quick little rebuild, and they've been pretty good ever since. So I feel like they could have tried to do a little bit more to make themselves Super Bowl contenders. They could have, but I, I I like how I like how they went out and, and and signed their own guys. I like I like the plan they have in Indianapolis, and I think they're good. I think they're the still. I don't care what they did, what they didn't do in free agency. I still think they're the best team going into the season in the AFC South. I do too. I think you know the Titans. I know they added Bud Dupree for a pass rusher, but yeah, I think with their deep Titans defense still isn't great, and I think yeah that that's gonna kind of cost them. And I do think the Colts right now are still right now the best. Best team in the AFC South. I thought they could take it one step further as well, you know, in the free agency. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens. You know, we got the draft coming up soon. We'll be talking about that. But, you know, it was it was a good free agency, and, and we're looking forward to the draft in a couple of weeks. But we got to shift to the NBA, and we've had, we've had two big injuries in the NBA, and that was LeBron James as he had an ankle injury uh, in, in Saturday's games against the Lakers. And for me, this Laker team could fall. I saw them play last night without him and AD, and they're not they're not a good they're not a good team without the two of them. I mean, they got blown out by the uh, they got blown out by the Pelicans, uh, and I could see this team falling. And I could really see that I could I could potentially see this team having to play in the playing round. Right now, they're uh, they're 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 in fourth. They're uh, they're four and a half games ahead of, ahead of the Mavericks, but I could at least see them fall to six because they're only two and a half games behind uh, behind the Blazers. So I could at least see them fall to six. And in my opinion, because they play the Mavericks twice and the Mavericks can win that season series, I could. And the way the Mavericks are playing right now, they're playing really well. I could see them falling to seven. I, I in my opinion, and I'm going to go on a limb here. I think the Lakers, if if LeBron and AD miss a significant amount of time, like a bunch of games in the second half, I could see the Lake. I could see the Lakers being the number seven seed in the Western conference. That's what I could see. But Justin, I have a question. How far do you think the Lakers will fall due to LeBron's injury? I, you know, what I was hearing too from Frank Bull, it sounds like they're not going to rush him or LeBron back. I, I kind of, I'm with you. I could see them dropping to six, seven, you know, even maybe eight, depending how long these two guys are out. I did watch a little bit last night. Yeah. I was very unimpressed as Lakers team. Uh, you know, again, I know they kind of have some more depth, but, you know, outside of like a Kuzma or Morris, they don't, you know, Dennis Schroeder 
that's really about it. I know Montez Harrow played well last night, but they don't – yeah, it's just offensively, I think they're going to struggle. Um, and then, yeah, defensively last night, they just weren't great. I could really see this team um, yeah, falling, you know, three falling, you know, six, seven. I know – because I think – Two coming up to begin April. They have like a seven or eight game road trip too. Out, you know, a couple, you know, I think at the Clippers and then like six games out east. So, which I think that the, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Celtics, like, you know, I could see them going two or five on that road trip and and kind of maybe you know it just yeah I, I do see the Lakers kind of free falling right now. Oh, oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it just because it just shows you how much AD and LeBron mean to that team. I mean, the fact that, that that they're this bad shows you why those guys are clearly top ten players in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all know LeBron's number one, but AD's clearly a top ten player in the game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when those two guys are on, um, you know, they again they can put up seventy five, eighty themselves, and you know, you don't need much from the rest of the team at that point. So yeah, it it, it definitely does show because um, like the Pelicans aren't a great defensive team. You know, they're decent I feel like but um you know they they again they just you know they don't you know outside of like a Kuzma you know like a Dennis Schroeder you know Harold's a nice piece but yeah they don't they don't have a guy on this team that can go get you you know 25 30 besides those two and yeah that that's kind of the issue and you kind of need those guys nowadays to win in the NBA and they don't have that without AD and LeBron um out of the lineup absolutely 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 but we had another big injury on Sunday in the NBA, and and uh, Lamelo Ball fractured his wrist. He is out for the uh, he's out for, he's out for the season. Uh, in my opinion, I still think with Gordon Hayward and with Terry Rozier, because the Eastern Conference is weak at the bottom, because of the way the Raptors are playing, the Raptors have been playing absolutely terribly, and they're probably going to trade Kyle. They could very easily trade Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell. I think the Hornets will still sneak into the playoffs because of the because of the playing tournament. I still think the Hornets get the number ten seed. I think they definitely struggle without Lamelo. I mean, since he's been starting, he was averaging twenty uh, five and five. But I, I I think they fall. I think they fall out. I think they they drop all the way to tenth. But I still still think they make the playoffs, and I still still think they play in the playing tournament. And I do think that Lamelo Ball should still be the rookie of the year over Anthony Edwards. I mean, the impact he made uh, in the games he started, the way he played, he I think he played enough games for him to be rookie of the year. And but yeah, question, Justin, um, here's the here's the question I was going to ask: are, are are the Hornets are the Hornets still a playoff team, and, and should Lamelo be rookie of the year? Uh, sir, with the, you know the Hornets being make playoffs, I I'm with you. I think they do. You know, right now they're only up two games on the Pacers, who are right now in um in that tenth spot right now. But yeah, I think they have enough around with Terry Rozier, um, with Devontae Graham, with Gordon Hayward. I still think they have enough around to be able to. You know, obviously losing a 22-point score and Lamar Ball is going to be a tough loss. But I think they have enough around where they're going to be okay. They'll find a way to sneak in. You know, they also have Malik Monk, who I thought has been well this year. Um, you know, they, they have enough there. I think, yeah, they can kind of get – they can get in – they can still get in, like, that 9-10 seed. I don't know if they'll – I don't think they'll make the top eight. Um, you know, I, I – but, um, yeah, I – because I see the Celtics kind of jumping above them and maybe even the pay, you know, actually not, not the pay, but I don't know. I see like the Raptors maybe start playing better, maybe, but yeah, I could see them getting the ninth or 10th seed. And then for rookie of the year, I, he, you know, I know he, he probably had played enough because, you know, they just played over the halfway point of the season, but I do have to make a case for my, for my guy, Tyrese Halbert and, you, um, dude, come on, come on, come on! Um, what, what, dude? If it's not him, it's Anthony Edwards. Come on, 
I think he's ahead of Anthony Edwards, Halliburton. Well, how many points is, is Halliburton averaging a game? 15. No, 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 no. Anthony he's, Edwards puts Anthony Edwards has definitely had a better year than than than, than Halliburton. Yeah, I know you, you want to make a case for your guy who's on the Kings, but come on. There's no way it's not going to be Anthony Edwards or uh, LaMelo Ball. And I know you're going to probably say it's because no one watches Kings games. That is a part of it. But when I see this team on the floor, when he's on the floor, it's a different off. And look, you know, their offense is top 10 scoring wise. They just, you know, they don't stop anybody. They, they can put up points. Um, you know, the passes he makes, you know, to find guys who are open. This offense is different when him and Fox are out on the floor, you know, when they can get out of transition. Look, I, I, I know, look, we, we're nowhere near, you know, well, I think we're like three games out of the playing game right now, but. Look, I, I really like you know him and Fox at this core right now. I know we're not free, and I know the record not impressive or anything, but I you know I was trying to find his plus minus numbers. I couldn't find it, but for most of the games I see, he's like you know plus 10, 12 when he's in these games. He's made. I feel like he's making a difference, and for him to fall to to twelve to us is, was a steal. Um, you know, for why for you know he's. You know, I look, the team's not great, yes, but I feel like he's made a difference. And if they could get some more pieces around him and Fox, you know, they, you know, make, look, I like our new GM, Monty McNair. Well, he needs know, to so fire, he needs to fire your head coach. That's yes, what he, he needs does. to do. He needs to Luke fire Walton. Luke Walton. Luke Walton's terrible. Oh, yes. He makes no absolutely adjustments because every third quarter we get blown out, it feels like. Because the other coach, and that's it, that's terrible. That's terrible coaching. Because the yeah, no, you're right. You, you just said it. No, no adjustments at all. No, that's yeah, yeah. You cannot win in, in the NBA. So look, I, I would like to you know we get a new head coach again. Our division, it's it just it's just so tough being in the Pacific Division. You know, it's gonna be tough to climb out of the hole. But you know, I, again, we could get kind of draft another guy or two. But um, I feel like Halberin has really done a good job this year. I feel like our, our team's a bit, you know, we finally drafted well, but he's just, they, they, they've been different when he's on the floor. He's been, you know, to be able to play like that one-two spot, you know, side-by-side side with Fox, it really, I feel like, helped out Fox too this year. Um, but I, I'll, that's kind of my case for Halperin. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think he's <clears throat> really going to get much consideration. I think it's going to be Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball, but you made, a, you made a pretty good case that he should get some consideration for some voters. It's just because, you know, LaMelo Ball is well-known. Anthony Edwards yeah. was the number one overall pick. They're probably going to pick one of those two guys. But we got to get to the uh, trade deadline and uh, a couple of names we, we've heard out there. And, and the first one, obviously, is uh, Lonzo Ball. We've heard stuff about him. You know, we've heard stuff about the Hawks, the Bulls, the Nuggets. Uh, as he's going to be a restricted free agent, does 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 uh does, does do the Pelicans really want to move forward with him when you've got franchise players like uh like uh Zion Zion and uh and Ingram? But I do think that I do think that they're going to hang on to him just because the Pelicans do still have an outside shot of getting to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I, I think they do um, hang on to him. I know. You know, Clippers like them for some depth. Um, you know, and I know maybe the, I felt like, you know, they may trade them. They kind of get, you know, I know to kind of get some of these younger guys going, you know, like try to get some of these younger guys some experience, like a Josh Harder and Nicole Alexander Walker. But I do think that, yeah, they hold on because they're in the playoff punt at the moment. So I feel like, you know, if they don't get what they want, I feel like, yeah, the Pelicans probably hold on to Alonzo Ball. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun to see Lamar. So we see how well Lavar's reaction would be if he does get traded tomorrow. We'll see what that'd be a funny, that'd be a funny reaction to see what happens if he ends up getting traded. But what his dad would say if he ends up getting traded. Especially he goes to like the Clippers or something. I know, yeah. He's going after the Lakers. Like he's gonna guys out. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So uh, another guy is a Kyle Lowry and a big Two big teams for him are the Heat and the 76ers. The Heat, though, would have to probably give up uh, Tyler Hero, which they're probably not going to want to do. So I think I think the, uh, the the team that has the best chance of getting him is the Sixers because that then they would uh, they would have been, probably have to give up Tyrese Maxey, but that would pretty much be uh, another young guy. But if he goes to the Sixers, I, I think the Sixers are – I don't I still don't think they're better than the Nets, but I think – that could get them. I think they're pretty even with the Bucks right now. I think that would get them, you know, above the Bucks. They got get Kyle Lowry because Kyle Lowry is a guard that could shoot the ball. Definitely, you know. Um, again, Kyle Lowry too. If it, if it's Philly, that's where that's his hometown. He played, you know, he played at Villanova. Like I think that would be for him. I think he would love to go play there, you know. And I think it would help too that he's won a title. He can help out Ben Simmons and Joel and beat to get to that level. Um, I, I think, you know, through the Sixers, I think, yeah, you got to make that move. Um, yeah, they need – the Sixers need another shooter. I'm with you. They're still not better than the Nets. But, yeah, I'd probably put them second. I think they're better than the Bucs um, in, in B second Eastern Conference. Yeah, the Heat, I don't think you should give up Tyler Hero because he's – Lowry's 35. He's going to – I know he said he'd sign an extension, uh, you know, wherever he gets traded to. But I, I don't think it's worth giving up Tyler Hero. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, not not at all. I think I, I don't think so. I mean, I think Lowry's a good player, but he's not a great player, and I still don't think the Heat are good enough to be. I don't think really anybody in the East is good enough to beat the Nets, but definitely I don't think the Heat are good enough. You know, the, even though they're the defending uh, Eastern Conference champions, they're not good enough to beat the Nets. Uh, another player uh, who's probably going to be traded. The Rockets are probably going to trade Victor Oladipo. Teams I, I hear could be interested are the Celtics, the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Heat. And as a Knicks fan, I don't want to give up too much for Oladipo, especially if he's going to be a free agent next year. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, for be nice, I get for the Knicks have another night, but then it's like kind of, I know Barrett, you know, uh, you know, like I know our Reggie Bullock's, I know it's starting at the two. I know it'd be an upgrade, but yeah, I, if he's not going to resign, I, I wouldn't. I feel like the, the, uh, the Knicks right now, yeah, they're, you know, they're going to be a playoff team, but they're not there yet to chase the Nets. If they, if they were, I would say, you know, pull the trigger and go for it. But I don't think the you know the Knicks aren't there yet. I could see, you know, the Celtics, I think, should really make a move for them. They need another shooter. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see the Celtics definitely make a move for him. Also, I could see the Celtics making a move for Aaron Gordon, who wants to get get away from the Magic. And I, and I think that would that would be a piece that would help the Celtics, too. Definitely, you know, to, to add another forward um, – you know, coming off his injury, I think he's been playing pretty well. I think Jimmy, two or three games ago, I think he had like 38 points or whatever. Uh, yeah, kind of, you know, I tired of losing. Um, I was really high on this guy a few years ago. I know he was rumored to go to the Kings a few years ago, but it never really happened. Um, but, yeah, I know the last two years of production's kind of been down a bit. But, yeah, I think it would be another nice addition for the Celtics to get a guy like Aaron Gordon. Kind of hungry. It seems like he's hungry to win. And, you know, I think Celtics need, you know, Love to have another guy like that. Want to go get back in the Eastern Conference race. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio and our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job. I am Steve Risser, and we'll be back next week uh, previewing the Final Four and talking some baseball. We'll have our MLB preview. Have a great weekend, everyone. 
Welcome to Ivy League Murders. On this podcast, we focus on cases affiliated with the Ivy League, exploring the darker side of higher education. What happens when genius becomes evil? My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate, and I've been a private investigator since 1999. Join me and longtime crime diva, Laura McDonald, for Ivy League Murders.